My jungle will lure you in with paths that are deceptively apparent and secrets that will never be uncovered. Silver starlight may show you the way. Shape-shifting shadows will lead you astray. So open your eyes. I will show you a world etched deep in my mind. Only the greatest explorers of the unknown, those who are willing to lose themselves can unravel the enigma. For the essence of the jungle lies not in being found, but in getting lost. Welcome to Thorn's Jungle. going on everyone welcome to another episode of thorns jungle it's uh currently thursday today so normally i do an episode sort of closer to the start of the week but yeah these past few days have been pretty busy um just sort of running errands and stuff like that um man the weather is doing something weird yesterday it was like super warm bloody lovely and today it's cold windy and raining and tomorrow is going to be even worse, but I'm not complaining about that. Tomorrow is Friday, and I am perfectly happy that it is going to be raining because I will be inside watching a movie and shoving junk food down my rude gullet. I'll tell you what. So that is perfectly fine with me. I love the rain, I hate the cold. I love it when it's super warm i love the extremes of weather like nothing is more boring to me than a 20 degree celsius day and sunny because it's like it's not super warm it's not super cold it's just boring if i i love my summers boiling hot i love my winters freezing cold and rainy as all hell so that's just me I can understand if you use a different because it is kind of weird, but I'm an extreme man, dude. I don't know what that was, but you get the gist. Um, I'm, I'm extreme man. I'm not really, but you know, whatever. Okay. Today's episode is on something I've been very interested about for a long time. And sometimes I forget about it and sometimes I forget it even exists and then when I remember it and go oh yeah that's another weird cryptid that probably exists or did exist and it's actually super interesting and it definitely deserves a full episode because it is just such a weird one and it's not like a, a cryptid that is just so outlandish like a plesiosaur living in a lake in Scotland. This is an animal that we know exists, but it's just like a weird color morph of an animal that does exist. So it is, it, it is a real animal, but whether or not it has this very peculiar color morph, well, that's up for debate. And of course, we're talking about the Maltese blue tiger. That's right, a blue tiger. Now, before we get into that, I want to address something that's been happening the last few weeks, even few months, and it's kind of caught my attention again. It's something I used to be obsessed with when I was a kid, and it is in the same vein as what we're going to be discussing today, and that's 
big cats. And a few weeks ago, there was a, and I'm air quoting here, Black Panther spotted in Lancelin in Western Australia. And Lancelin's probably an hour and a half drive north from where I live. Okay? And for anyone that doesn't know, there's been sightings of big cats in Australia for like a hundred years or longer. And there's always this thing, it's like, oh, Black Panthers, Cougars, Pumas, roaming the Australian outback. And I have done an episode uh, about this subject very early on in uh, Thorn's Jungle's uh, infancy, I guess. It was like one of the first episodes, one of the earlier episodes. And I pretty much just debunked it, said, well, you know what? It's probably large feral cats um, that have grown to extraordinary sizes. And that happens, okay, when there's no competition for food and they've got plenty of food that is large, like potos, wallabies, not potos, potteroos, sorry. Potos, they're African. Um, then they will just keep growing. And it's, yeah, like almost island gigantism. But I've been listening to this podcast um, called Australia's Missing Panthers. And it's pretty much a call-in show where it's just like people that have seen these cats in Australia and talking about them. And the host, uh, Ben, I believe his name is, and he's getting into like, you know, theories of how these cats got into Australia. And you know what? I, I, I will have to say that at some point in Australia's history, I have no doubt in my mind that there were big cats loose and roaming around Australia's forests okay i will admit that because there is a lot of evidence that shows there were cats released or escaped into australia but what i will say is have that like have they been breeding is there a population i really don't think so so what i'll go back to uh, this sighting in lancelin right they're interviewing the couple an elderly couple that saw it on their property you know they filmed it in their cctv and yeah it's black panther black panther as one look of it you know it's not a black panther and you can see a traffic cone in the video and it, it just puts it into it just scales it very very well this cat is probably no bigger than a normal domestic cat and everyone's like i've seen feral cats before i know what feral cats are like, yeah, but do you know what a black panther is? Have you ever seen a black panther? No, you haven't. So you're not really, you don't really know what you're talking about. And time and time again, these witnesses ring up. Oh, I've lived in the bush. I know, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but you haven't lived in a in the African bush. You haven't lived in the Indian bush. You haven't witnessed black leopards. You haven't lived in uh, in the Americas and seen mountain lions. So no. You don't know what you're looking at. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm sorry. I have to say it. And, you know, when you see a cat that is two to three times the size of a normal cat, which these feral cats get to, it is insane. It is absolutely going to stand out. It is absolutely going to look like a huge cat. Um, and your mind does make things that are extreme already, like, it makes them more extreme. Okay, so... Yeah, it, it just irks me when 
you hear people and they're like, I saw footprints the other size of my hand. I'm like, yeah, but do you, have you ever seen a leopard footprint? And nine times out of 10, you'll see the photographs and it's like a big dog footprint, like 100%. There's this one dude that's like, look at this, look at the size of this one. It's like a kangaroo front paw. It's like got massive claws dug into the ground. Like, yeah, see, you don't know what a big cat pug mark looks like. You don't know what a big cat looks like in the wild. So I'm sorry. It's it's just not happening. As much as I would love it to be happening, I just don't think it is. Anyway, so that was recent cat news in Western Australia. There's a lot of excitement about it. It was on the news for like a week. But yeah, I was actually half attempted to drive up to Lancelin and investigate, but literally all I would find would be a black tabby cat walking around. A domestic cat. So yeah, not going to waste the petrol money, unfortunately. Alright, now into blue tigers. Now this is a a cat that has been sighted by very reliable witnesses. Like big game hunters and things like that. And what I'm going to do is, I'm going to read to you from a very well-known cryptozoologist called Dr. Carl Shooker. And I like Dr. Carl Shooker. He's, um, he's a British dude. He, uh, me, uh, him and I have been friends on Facebook for a long time. We've chatted back and forth. I really trust Carl Shooker in his scientific approach to cryptozoology. I mean, he has like a PhD in zoology. He knows his stuff. He knows what he's talking about. And he has been a cryptozoologist for a hell of a long time. And he does these blogs and they're bloody great. He goes into uh, amazing detail about these things. So a lot of the information and the anecdotes I'm going to be reading to you are from Dr. Carl Shooker's blog because he just words it so well. And if you want to check out his blog, check it out. Just Google Carl Shooker um, blog and you'll see. And he's got it on so many cryptids and it's just a great source of information. It was during the early years of the 20th century when Harry R. Caldwell first heard of a mystifying, almost supernatural man-eating tiger stalking the forests of southeast China's Fukin Forest. What made this peculiar killer so distinctive, however, was the people's vehement assertion that it was blue in colour, not the typical blazing orange tawny shade of typical tigers. Not surprisingly, Caldwell initially dismissed such claims as native folklore until, while searching for this creature with his son, John, he discovered on several occasions a number of unquestionably blue-tinged tiger hairs along the mountain trails that the great cat was set to traverse. Nicknaming it Bluebeard, Caldwell decided to hunt down and kill this outstanding animal not only to rid the villagers of this bloodthirsty menace, but also to prove to science that at least one blue tiger really did exist. For a time, the legendary Bluebeard eluded Caldwell's best efforts to track it down, even though, as well as being a missionary, he was also an experienced big game hunter. In April 1910, however, he finally obtained all the proof he needed to convince him that a blue tiger was far more than a legend. By successfully luring Bluebeard out of the forest and into view using a tethered goat, he caught glimpse of this phenomenal coloured tiger. Nevertheless, 
The Blue Tiger did not approach closely enough for Caldwell to be certain that he would kill it outright, and so he had to watch impotently as Bluebeard retreated into the forest. However, Caldwell was sufficiently heartened to repeat the ploy at a later date, when in September 1910, after learning that it had attacked a local child, he and a companion, his native cook, Dada, found themselves sitting in hiding, waiting for Bluebeard to emerge again. For some time, they waited in vain. Then, abruptly, Dada motioned towards what he claimed was a creature. But when Caldwell looked, all he could see was what seemed to be one of Dada's fellow natives dressed in the familiar light blue garment that most men in this area wore. Oh, he's lucky he didn't get shot. <laughs> as best as Coldwell could see, peeking through the undergrowth, a man appeared to be crouching near the ground, as if picking herbs. So Coldwell shook his head to Dada. Man, he said, and looked back towards the tethered goat. Dada, however, was not so easily dissuaded, as Coldwell later recalled during his book, Blue Tiger. That was published in 1925. So this is a quote uh, about this encounter. Again, the cook tugged at my elbow, saying, Tiger, surely a tiger. And once more, looked at the object. This time to see what I thought was a man still upon his knees in the trail. I was about to turn again towards the goat when my cook excitedly said, Look, look, it is a tiger. And turning, saw the great beast lengthen out and move cautiously along the trail, a couple of rods, and then come to a sitting position near a clump of grass. Now focusing upon what I had altogether overlooked in my previous hurried glances, I saw the huge head of a tiger above the blue which had appeared to me to be the clothes of a man. What I had been looking at was the chest and belly of the beast. The markings of the animal were marvellously beautiful. The ground colour seemed to be a deep shade of Maltese, changing into an almost deep blue on the underparts. The stripes were well defined, and so far as I was able to make out, similar to those on a tiger that is of regular color. So pretty much, he, he, his cook Dada is like, hey, look, a tiger. And uh, Coldwell looks and goes, well, no, nah, that's just a dude picking herbs that's wearing, a blue, uh, wearing blue clothes like some of the locals do. And it wasn't until Dada was like, bro, Keep looking, that ain't a dude. That's some that that's that blue tiger. And then yeah, the tiger the tiger moves and yep, it ain't a guy. It's a bloody blue tiger. After finally encountering at close range the mystical blue tiger that had seemed for so long to be little more than a dream, Coldwell was not able to let it fade away as dreams often do. But as he prepared to shoot, he realized that the tiger was gazing very intently at something below in the nearby ravine. Looking down to find out what it was, Coldwell was, sh Coldwell was shocked to see that the objects of Bluebeard's attention were two boys gathering bundles of grass and ferns there. Obvious to the tiger watching them. Wait, what does that mean? Bundles of grass and ferns there. Oblivious to the tiger watching them. Okay, so two kids are walking around picking ferns and stuff not knowing that this blue tiger is watching them, and the blue tiger not knowing that Coldwell's watching it. So, how's he gonna get out of this pickle? 
Caldwell realised straight away that the angle at which he would be shooting Bluebeard was such that the wounded tiger would fall directly into the ravine, and its presence there, maddened with pain from a bullet, would severely endanger the children. Consequently, he knew that he had no option but to move his position in order to shoot the tiger from a different angle, and thereby ensure that it did not fall into the ravine, but he had to draw its attention away from the children. Very slowly and cautiously, Caldwell stood up in full view of Bluebeard, and for the next half hour, Hunter and Tiger stared at one another, neither of them moving a muscle. Clearly, the cat had now forgotten the children, but Caldwell knew that he still had to move position if he were to approach it from a different angle for shooting purposes. And so, reluctantly, he took his eyes off his blue quarry a bet only for a short time as he moved away through some undergrowth. But that short time was enough. When Caldwell reached his new position, the blue tiger was no more. Like a Chinese leprechaun, Bluebeard had vanished. I never knew there was Chinese leprechauns. That's pretty cool. There's like, yeah, different races of uh, leprechaun. Disappearing back into the depths of the forest, leaving behind as proof of its reality only its tracks, and also for Caldwell, the memory of his encounter, which must truly be the most marvellous of all mystery cats. Despite continuing his searches, Caldwell was never lucky enough to catch sight of Bluebeard again. Oh man, how would you feel? How would you feel? Like you've got this tiger like scoped. This tiger that's just a myth, just a legend. And it, it got away. I mean, typical. Of course it did. But, you know, staring at it for that amount of time, like the, the guy got a good look at it, you know. But people can lie, I guess people can lie, but it's just a weird thing to lie about, would you? Like it's, you know, a blue tiger? People aren't going to believe you. You could have said, oh, it's a, a black tiger, which there are reports of, but there's never been proof of a melanistic tiger. Only pseudo-melanistic tigers where their stripes get so big and thick where it covers most of like that orange color. But a blue tiger, like that's so out. It's, it's so out of the spectrum of normal where it's like, yeah, it's almost too weird to be fake and, and a hoax. Now... Coldwell wasn't the only Westerner to have witnessed a blue tiger. Um, like, this is a animal that was sighted a whole bunch by the villagers in this uh, province of China. Um, it was kind of a notorious tiger. They, you know, it's it was reported to be a man-eater. And they're like, oh, it's that, you know, bloody blue tiger again has been attacking people. Um, and there have been other sightings of uh, the Maltese blue tiger, but the blue tiger isn't just restricted to China. There has actually been reports of blue tigers in Korea as well. And an American correspondent of Dr. Carl Schuker, his name's Bill McKee, uh, told Carl in 2001 that while serving in the U.S. Army in Korea during the Korean War, his father, Lieutenant Colonel James McKee, claimed to have seen a blue tiger in the mountains one morning. It was uh, December 1952, 
and the locals were well aware of it. They knew there was a blue tiger in the area. And his father was stationed in the central Korea uh, near what's now the demilitarized zone. And um, yeah, his sighting occurred about a mile to the east of Mongdon Ni Valley. Um, so yeah, how about that? Like in Korea as well, which makes sense because Korea and China share a landmass. Um, you know, if there's going to be like it's it, it would be very easy for a tiger to pass from Korea into China. It's no problem, and they they think there are still uh, tigers in North Korea. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very very possible. But how likely is it that a cat can be blue? Well, we know Maltese cats exist. Um, Maltese coloured cats. There's uh, British Shorthair, the British Blue, the Russian Blue. Um, these are cats that are, I mean, like a greyish blue colour. Um, there's bluish lynxes, bobcats. Um, they're not blue blue, but you would be forgived if you said it was a bluish colour. Absolutely. Um, so there are genes and genetic mutations and like combinations of gene alleles that would result in a bluish hue or a bluish tinge. Um, so if blue tigers possess two different pairs of uh, recessive alleles, if they possess the non-agouti gene mutation allele and the uh, dilute, which uh, combine and produce like a solid bluish grayish color, like a smoky blue color, uh, which is found in domestic cats, um, it would produce a striped blue tiger. But if that was the case, then what um, Caldwell described, where he could, said he could still see these solid black stripes, that wouldn't really happen. You wouldn't really see well-defined black stripes if that mutation occurred. Um, but I, I, I guess certain lighting uh, you would see it see the stripes like if the sun's on a certain angle just like your black panthers which are uh, melanistic leopards or melanistic jaguars in some lighting they look a solid black color but then you see them walk out into the light and you can see clear as day their rosettes which like their spots um, and that would be the same as this blue tiger if it had these genetic mutations and gene alleles that gave it that Maltese look, on certain angles, uh, in certain lighting, it would absolutely look blue, and certain other lighting, it would be blue, and you could make out its uh, black stripes. So, this is a genetic mutation that already exists in cats, and could potentially exist in a tiger. Um, like we have white tigers. We actually, we have a whole bunch of color morphs. There's like golden tabby uh, morph of the ti of tigers. There's complete leucism in tigers. There's like, you know, tigers that are pure white. And then there's tigers that are pure, uh, are white with still solid black stripes. And with those tigers, they think that it can be traced back to one 
wild white tiger uh, that I believe was in a forest in India. So that's what they say, like, uh, if you see a white tiger uh, in captivity, it's probably been very severely inbred. Um, and a lot of times these white tigers will have, like, eye issues, they're cross-eyed. Um, uh, apparently, they you can't anesthetize them. They do very, very poorly under anesthetic, like they will probably die. Um, things like that. And you know what? That could be the same as this blue tiger. There could just be a very, very, very rare uh, mutation where this tiger is Maltese colored. And that gene, I mean, being a recessive gene, you know, it, it gets passed on, but it's like, how successful is the blue tiger in the wild? Probably not that successful. So it's probably not breeding and it's cubs are probably not surviving. Therefore, that gene gets wiped out of the gene pool. So, yeah, it's it's an un it's unfortunate because damn, that would be a cool, bloody looking tiger. And I'm sure there's a lot of big cat breeders out there that are like, oh, if I could get my hand on that gene, wow, that would be a tiger that no one's ever seen before, except for Coldwell and the the locals. Um, but other than that, I, I think that a blue tiger, to me, my opinion, probably did exist. I think it did. There, all the recipes are there for a potential blue tiger. Um, I don't think it's probably as blue as the witnesses make out, but in, you know, looking at the blue cats, like your Russian... Russian blues and stuff like that, British short hairs. You know, they can look blue in certain colors, absolutely. And if you are so used to seeing a tiger orange with the black stripes and you see a Maltese one, it's gonna look blue. It's got it's, that, that contrast between the two uh, is gonna stand out. So yeah, it would probably come off very blue in color. It's pretty cool. A Maltese blue tiger. I've always been interested in it. It's always fascinated me because it's one of those cryptids that I believe probably did exist. I don't believe it exists now. Tigers are already super rare, especially in Korea and tiger, like the Siberian tiger and South China tiger. Just insanely rare. And a tiger with a crazy genetic mutation and color morph like that, that is already super rare. It's just probably, it's gone. It probably doesn't exist anymore. But it is cool to know that at some point uh, during the 20th century, which Ollie just sneezed. Ollie, well, at least he's not barking. Do you have to do that right here? Can you, can you not walk into the other room and sneeze, please? Oh. Um, it is pretty cool to know that not that long ago, you know, in the time of our great-grandparents, great-great-great-grandparents, there may have been blue tigers walking this planet. And that is super special, and that's such a cool thing to think about. I love things like that, you know? Nature created a fleeting moment where a blue tiger existed in this world, and that is super special and, and really cool, in my opinion. 
Ah, okay. This episode was almost like a story time, wasn't it? Me, like, telling a story. Like an audiobook. I was reading an audiobook by Carl... Well, on Carl Shooker's blog. But what I'll do is I'll put the... Um, a link to his blog in the show notes. So if you want to check it out, it's really cool. And I'm sure I will be reading from his blog again on certain wicked animals. In fact... Dr. Carl Shooker knew that I was very interested in a cryptid called the Dingo Net, also known as the Jungle Walrus, found in Africa. And he actually wrote an article, wrote a blog on the Jungle Walrus and dedicated it to me because he knew I was super interested in it. So that's definitely going to be another episode. Um, don't spoil it by going and Googling it. Wait till I do the episode. Okay? Don't... No spoilers. So that that that'd be that'd be a cool episode actually. I just just thought of that then. I'm a bloody genius, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Alright. Um if you haven't already, please subscribe uh to the podcast. Give it a rating. Um it, it really helps out. So do me a solid, please. Come on, guys, I'll be your friend. I'll invite you to my birthday party. Um and if you want a Adam Thorne leather thigh pouch like I wear in Kings of Pain they're bloody cool man they make you look sick they make you look like a explorer um, head to my website biothorn.com.au and head to the shop uh, I'll ship ship them out to anywhere in the world and you'll get a signed photograph as well woohoo how exciting and uh, yeah I will get my Patreon up and running so if you want more episodes you can join my Patreon and for as little as like four bucks a month, you'll get an extra episode, you'll get a shout out, uh, you'll get access to some other things as well. Depending on what tier, you'll get to see like the video recordings of the podcast, which I'll start doing. But if you don't want to, you know, subscribe to the Patreon and pay, you know, like four bucks a month, then don't worry. There will always be a free episode for you every week. So... Thanks for tuning in this week, everyone. Have an awesome weekend, and I'll see you next time on another episode of Thorn's Jungle.